Lord, I ask that you bless your word, God, that you would speak to us. God, we yearn to hear from you, and thank you for a sweet time of worship, God. Thank you that you cannot be stopped, Lord, that there is a power, Lord, in you, not in us, but in you that keeps working, God. And even when we don't see it or, or, or we can't perceive it, God, you're still working, God. You're still here. And I just was so ministered to by all these songs, God, that we just worshiped you with. So, God, keep moving, keep working. You cannot be stopped, Lord. You died on a cross and rose again from the grave. And so, Lord, we ask that you continue to minister to our hearts as we open your word. Anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the other night, uh, our family played this new game that was uh, uh, given to us at Christmas. And there was questions asked. It was kind of a group team kind of game. And there was question asked, and you're, you were to, like, guess what's the most popular answer to get points uh, and win this game. Well, I thought it was interesting. One of the questions that came up was, what is Jesus' greatest miracle? And the most popular answer, which I picked, was walking on water. Isn't that interesting? If I were to ask you, what would you say? I mean, what, what do you think is the greatest miracle Jesus did? I mean, some in our family said, you know, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead or things like that. But what impacted you the most? What is, what is that miracle? I was thinking about in some letters to God by Keiki, little Keiki. One little boy wrote this after hearing about the miracle of Jesus multiplying the bread and fish. He, he wrote this, Dear God, my favorite miracle is when everyone loaves and fishes. <laughs> loaves and fishes. I like that. Well, tonight we return to our study in the book of Acts, and and we find a miracle that greatly impacts all of Jerusalem. We find a man who couldn't walk, but is healed, and he himself becomes a walking miracle. And that's the title of our message tonight, A Walking Miracle. We're going to be studying Acts chapter 3 from verse 1 through 10. Last time we were here a number of weeks ago, uh, we finished chapter 2. We've been slowly making our way through the book of Acts. And now we finally cross the border into chapter 3. And we're going to study the first 10 verses here in chapter 3. And here we're going to find four things. Number one, the daily habit. Number two, the ask for help. Number three, the gift of healing. And number four, the joyful heart. And these are the four things we're going to find here in our passage. So let's begin, number one, the daily habit, the daily habit. And here we begin with verse one of Acts chapter three. If you can take a look in your Bibles with me, it reads here, verse one, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. We'll stop right there. Now, as you know, as we begin here, Luke is the writer here. Luke writes how Peter and John, now the two apostles, they were basically attending the, uh, a prayer meeting or prayer time 
in the temple, at the temple. And it's actually a, a, a daily prayer time here. We see that they were going up to the temple. Now, when it says up here, you've got to understand the Jewish temple sits on the temple mount. And the temple mount actually sits about 2,430 feet in elevation. I was thinking, well, it's kind of like up country here, Pukalani. We're around that area. So they went up to the temple, and it's always that idea to go up to see God. Now we find here, at the hour prayer, it was the ninth hour of prayer. Now, the Jewish way of doing time starts at sunrise. So zero hour is 6 a.m. Then the third hour would be 9 a.m., the sixth hour, 12 p.m., and the ninth hour is 3 p.m. So when it says the ninth hour, it's 3 p.m. It's a time of prescribed prayer that many of the Jews gather together for this sort of evening prayer going into the evening it was also the time of the evening sacrifice so there was a lot of people there now take note here the jewish custom is to pray three times a day there was a a, a 9 a.m prayer uh, at the third hour there's the sixth hour a 12 p.m prayer and now this is that afternoon going into evening prayer uh, at 3 p.m so here's peter and john going to the prayer meeting, basically, uh, where everyone would go to customarily to the temple to pray, and they're there in Jerusalem. And know this, though, also, that Peter and John, this is what they regularly do. They're going to the prayer every day. This is their regular habit, so to speak, their daily habit to go in prayer. We saw this. We saw their attendance at the temple if you look up at chapter 2 verse 46 it says and day by day attending the temple together the apostles and all the christians at that time would make that uh, effort to go to prayer every day we even saw in luke chapter 24 at the very last verse in the book of luke that it said they were continually in the temple blessing god So it was a regular thing for them to go to the temple. So here's what I want you to get in this first part, in this first verse. The daily habit for them was to go and pray. That's what they did. The daily habit was for them to go and pray. I heard about that um, the Jewish people, when they go to the temple to pray, and whether it's the morning, afternoon, or, or lunchtime, or um, afternoon time, that when they go to pray, the f- they would pray for one hour. The first 15 minutes was you sit there in silence. Can you imagine that? Just sitting, going to prayer, sitting in silence before the Lord. I think we would have a hard time, many of us, because we've been so entertained in our minds with our phones, social media, TV, all of that. But what a better way than to sit before God in silence, in reverence before the Lord. So for 50 minutes, they would just sit there together in silence. Then for the next 30 minutes, they would bring their petition to the Lord. They would bring their intercession and they would 
pray for all of their requests. And then the last 15 minutes of this hour of prayer, they would break out into worship and praise. So that was kind of the normal agenda, normal pattern of this one hour of prayer that they would do three times a day. So the daily habit was for them to go and pray. And I like that. Just thinking about that, and this is why I pulled this out about their daily habit, is it inspires me. Inspires me to pray more, to be dedicated daily in prayer. And, and maybe for us, God is calling us to do that. Not just five minutes, not just three minutes or one minute before you rush off to work, but actually take the time maybe to wake up earlier or maybe lunchtime you Go to your car or someplace secluded where you can just pray during that time or pray for 15 minutes or more. But I challenge you guys to take that time to maybe take an hour, not just 30 minutes, but maybe an hour to pray every day. Maybe you can't do it three times a day, but I'm challenged to do maybe at least um, uh, set an alarm or something to do something three times a day, even if it's for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. But let's get into prayer more and be inspired about praying daily, making it a daily habit. And keep this in mind. In context of this passage, opportunities to be part of a miracle comes when you make a habit of being in prayer of being in daily prayer. And that's what we're going to see. These guys are just going to do what they've been doing every day. These guys are just going to seek the Lord in prayer. And they come upon this opportunity to experience and be part of a miracle. And I think that's something that can motivate us to get into a daily prayer routine, a habit, a daily habit to go and pray. Let me say that We understand this, but let me say this, and you guys know this. There is power in prayer, right? It's God's power, and we can experience that prayer. Listen to what a Scottish theologian, John Eddy, once said. He said, the power to live a new life depends upon daily communion with the living Lord. I like that. That's where we will get our power to live. That's where we can connect to the vine. We can connect to God. So let's do that. Let's make a priority. Maybe it's something to remind you to get back into what you used to do. Or to start a new habit, a new daily routine, a daily habit to get into prayer like these guys did every day. All right, let's go to number two, the ask for help. We see in verse one the daily habit, but now as we move on, verse two and three, we're going to see the ask for help. Let's take a look here, Acts chapter three, verse two and three. It reads here, And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, as Peter and John, they're making their way into the temple to go to the daily temple 
uh, daily prayer meeting at 3 p.m. with the evening sacrifices, we see here that there is a man who is lame from birth. Lame meaning here, his feet did not work too well. Later on, we're going to see they were messed up. His ankles, his, his feet are, are going to be healed. So that's what's going on. He, he cannot walk. It, he, he, he couldn't walk since birth time. We don't know what happened exactly. But he was lame in his feet. He, he, it's, it wouldn't function anymore. We're going to see later in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that, it, that he was, it was like this for 40 years. So from since birth, to, he's around 40 years now, that he had not been able to walk. So here he is now. Back then, remember, there's no, like, social services. So every day, uh, someone graciously would carry him, bring him to this spot, set him down so he can beg for money. Because back then, if, if, if you couldn't work, you had no money. There's no social services. You had to get help by begging. And so this man was carried, laid there daily at the gate, of a temple, and the gate was called the Beautiful Gate. Now, the Beautiful Gate is uh, uh, the entrance into the court of women. Now, if you can picture the whole temple complex, uh, we have this huge temple complex, and, and there's the court of the Gentiles, this outer area with that porch where I talked about where they would teach and everything. And going uh, up the steps, the next area to move into would be the court of the women. And then there's some more steps and another gate. And you would go into the, this little area called the court of Israel. And then you move into another area, a little courtyard called the court of priests. And that's where the altar, the brazen altar is. And that's right in front of the actual temple with the doors going into the uh, holiest or the inner sanctuary area and then the curtain that separated the holiest holies where well where the ark would have been so this is the whole temple complex the first part you enter in is what they would call the court of gentiles where that's as far as gentiles could go in who wanted to seek the lord well then there's a court of women that's as far as the women can go before the men could go in a little more and then uh, the, the only the priests would go in the other area. So, so between the court of Gentiles and the court of women would be these steps now, and there will be this big gate, and it was called the beautiful gate. And Josephus, at, he writes this. I was trying to imagine this, but he says the the gate itself was like seventy five feet high. I mean, this is a huge gate, sixty feet wide. He said it took twenty men to open and close it. It was very ornate. It was made of, they said, Corinthian brass. Very heavy. But it was a beautiful gate or door that would open up into the court of women. So this is where this beggar was placed on their, those steps. Now, you can imagine Peter and John are making their way into the temple area where they can pray up and up in, into the, the probably the court of Israel there. And so they're making their way there. And as they go up the steps, here's this, this, this beggar. Here's this lame man who couldn't walk. He's laid right there. Now, 
many of these people who, who, who didn't have any sustenance because of their physical maladies, they would be all around there. And they would be put there because many worshipers were going there. And it was, it was like the best place to try and get alms or, 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 or money uh, given to them as people went in. They would see them, feel sorry, and they could get money. So many were placed there at the beautiful gate. It was a strategic spot. As people think about this now, many people are now coming in for the 3 p.m. prayer time. It was a time of the evening sacrifices. So here, Peter and John, one of the many people coming up to the gate, uh, is moving there, probably move right past him. So at that point, seeing Peter and John in verse 3, this lame man, uh, seeing them about going to temple, he asked them for some alms, for a, a gift, for some money for himself. Now, well, just pause for a minute. Here's this lame man. He sees Peter and John, and he just happens to ask them for some money. And little did this man know that his asking would actually result in much more than he thought, right? He thought, well, I'll get a little money from him, maybe other people. But little did he know that God was going to do much more through Peter and John. And it made me think about 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. It's like what Paul wrote in Ephesians even, that, um, um, that uh, uh, God will do more than we ask or think. You know, So we don't know what God may do in any situation. And little did this guy know. So the ask for help will bring much more than expected. The ask for help will bring more than expected. And I like that thought, you guys. I like how, how it could be that, you know, as we go to the Lord, that He has some plan in all of this. That in our everyday, going to God in prayer, or in our everyday, like this man was there every day, basically. The passage really tells us that, that they laid him daily at the gate of the temple in verse 2. This was something that every day, but on this particular day, God has something for him. Think about if we go to prayer and, and uh, um, we go every day, we're, at, we're going to the Lord and we're praying and we put our requests. And what, if, what if this man like one day was said, oh, I don't want to go, I'm tired, you know. But he was there daily. You know, this was like the only way for his living. And just like we need prayer, the only way we can have strength every day is to go to prayer every day. To ask for help could be more, might bring more than what is expected. You know, as a father, when my kids call me for help with something or they need something, um, I'm, I'm there, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Sometimes I can go overboard do too much, give too much, say too much, maybe, Dad, it's okay, you know, you don't need to tell me all that, you know. And I'm learning to follow the Spirit in that. But isn't it funny when 
I need help. I'm more quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Moving something heavy, uh, fixing something, holding the ladder. I don't know why. I, I just kind of hold back. Maybe I don't want to bother anybody or I try and do it on my own. I don't want to hand out, you know, kind of thing. Maybe I'm ashamed. But it shouldn't be that way. I mean, I know my family will be ready to help me right away. Well, you know, in the same way, God likes it when we, as his children, call on him for help. He's ready to help. He wants to help. He wants to be there. And, and, and he wants to probably do more than you expect. Sometimes, though, we try and do things on our own. Sometimes we're like, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe it's guilt. Maybe you think you're not worthy. But you know what? Just like me as a father loves to help my children, God, the Heavenly Father, loves to help His children. So don't be shy about it. Don't be ashamed. Don't hold back. Go to Him. Here's this man to ask for help. We're going to see we'll bring more than what he expected. All right, so we see in what we're leading up to this walking miracle, the daily habit. We see the ask for help. And now we come to number three, the gift of healing. The gift of healing. Here we're going to cover verses four through seven. Take a look. We'll, we'll read all these verses. It says here in verse four, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, verse 6, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. All right. In response, Peter and John both of them, directed his gaze at him. Their gaze at him. At this who? This lame man. Now, it's kind of a different way of saying this, but basically Luke is saying they locked their eyes upon this lame man. And you know what that tells me? This tells me that as they gaze, as they directed their gaze at, at him... It was the Holy Spirit telling them that God wants to do something here. That God has a powerful plan here for this guy who had got their attention by asking them, hey, alms for the poor. So Peter told him, look at us, trying to get his attention. Hey, eyes over here, look at us. And so the beggar thought, Oh, okay, yeah, here's some guys. They're, they're going to give me some money. But then Peter's like, no, no, I, I have no silver and gold. But let me tell you, what I do have, I'll give to you. What does he have? He has Jesus Christ. And he wants to give Jesus Christ the same Jesus that Peter has. He wants him to have Jesus so that his life would be changed. I like that because it's not about the monetary, or his economic situation. But it goes deeper into his physical situation and really his spiritual situation that he needs Jesus. 
I mean, most likely this lame man is not a believer. But most likely through this, he will be saved. Through this miracle, he will come to Jesus Christ. So it's like, well, I don't have any money, no silver and gold. But let me, I have something else to give you. Jesus. Jesus to change your life and literally physically too. So then Peter here in verse 6, he says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I like that. Peter prays. Peter uh, comes to him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, it's interesting all these names for Jesus. Not just Jesus, but Jesus Christ and of Nazareth. Now, Jesus, we know, uh, that's what we usually pray and say, thank you, Jesus. That's his name. Yeshua saves, right? Christ, if you remember in the New Testament, is basically uh, meaning the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, and this man is a Jewish guy, right? Of Nazareth. Now, why would he say at of Nazareth? Well, it's reminding the guy, hey, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the one you heard about. Remember, Jesus, Jesus, was a common name back then. So Peter gets into the detail. Now, this is not just anyone named Jesus, but this is the Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one you know from Nazareth, right? The one you've heard about, who, who I'm sure everyone have heard, died on a cross, Maybe you heard rumors that he rose again from the dead. This is the Jesus that I come in, in his name. And so when he says, in the name of Jesus, which Jesus told us to pray in, in his name in that way, here Peter saying, in the name of Jesus, meaning in the authority of Jesus, I'm, I'm coming to you. In the authority of Jesus, I'm telling you to rise up and walk. In the character of Jesus, and and others, I speak on the behalf of Jesus. If Jesus were here, he would do this. So in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the authority and the power of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter commands the man, man. And in this comes the healing. So it says here in verse Seven, that he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. In other words, he was totally healed. Remember, since birth, he could not walk. Since birth, his feet, his ankles, they did not function. But here, Peter grabs him by the hand, raises him up, and just like that, immediately, instantly, we can say, he was healed, his ankles, his feet, and he could stand. He could walk. And think about it this way. This, this is a powerful healing. It was instant and it was complete. It wasn't like, well, okay, now you've got to go rehab and work through this, get some training, you know, and all this. It wasn't a slow healing that, well, Peter prayed and the next day he was healed. It was instant right then and there and so by the power of the holy spirit remember this is all connected to how the holy spirit came upon them in acts chapter 2 with the promise that jesus gave right in chapter 1 in verse 8 
when he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter, led by the Spirit, heals the man, or God heals the man through Peter. Now, before we go on, here's a few things I just want to put out there. First of all, God sovereignly chooses who gets this gift to heal. Here we see it's Peter. Uh, it wasn't John. Who else was there? John. Yeah. It was Peter. Matter of fact, we don't really see John doing a lot of healing. Later we see Paul doing a lot of healing in the book of Acts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says the spirit apportions to each one individually as he wills. So God in his sovereignty chooses who gets the gift of healing. And this time here was Peter. So Peter's the one. God uses Peter. Another thing, think about this now. God sovereignly chooses who is gifted the healing. In other words, who, who gets the healing. That's God's sovereign plan here. Remember, this layman isn't the only guy there, right? There's all kinds of beggars and people and with different physical ailments and probably some people are sick and on it. And they're all on the steps. But God chose in his sovereign will this man to use this man to heal. God has a will and plan in this. Whether you get healed or you don't. God has a plan and we have to trust him in that. So wherever you're at today, maybe you're online and you're struggling with some sickness. You know what? Trust God that he has a plan in this. I mean, I believe he can heal you, and I will pray he can heal you. I believe he can. I believe he heals today. So we trust God in whether he heals you or whether he doesn't. Either way, we know God has a plan. And just in this, just as we see here, there's a plan in all of this. And here's the thing. The third thing I want you to see is that God is the healer. It's not Peter. It's not like Peter, some special guy with some special power, or he's so holy, or he's so pure, and he's, oh, you know, so good. No, what is this? This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.9 talks about that, that the Spirit gives gifts of healings. And I believe that healings could be physical, could be uh, emotional, could be... Uh, you know, mentally, even like that too. So whatever the healings are, uh, the Spirit gives that gift of healing. So in this, think of it this way. The gift of healing was given from God through Peter to the man. That's how I like to look at this. Peter was gifted with this, this power to heal, but it came from God, and that healing power given to Peter was then passed on to the man so he can be healed. So here we see this gift of healing. You know, I believe God heals today. Some people say, well, no, God, you know, that was only with the apostles here. And, and we understand that, that the, the miracle of this healing, uh, we're going to see next time how it attracted the attention to the people and Peter got to preach 
and share Jesus Christ. And, and so we understand that. We understand those validating their message and, and bringing Jesus Christ and showing them, no, this is Jesus. He's still there. He's working uh, through the apostles and that the truth of Jesus and dying on the cross and rising again from the dead and salvation, it validates all that. It gives strength to that. And we understand that. But I believe God still heals today even. That there is a gift of healing. And I've heard so many different stories about that. And it's possible. It's possible to be healed in God's sovereign will. I, a number of months ago, I, I, and you guys might remember, but I remember at the end of a service I was praying and and it was like during the last worship song, and God usually prompts me and what to close out the service with, to pray or to say something. And in this particular time, I remember praying, and I felt prompted uh, to pray for healing. And I prayed for healing and of someone, and a few days later, I find out someone who was here told me they were struggling with a headache. And they almost didn't come to church, but the Spirit told them, no, go, go. And when I, at that moment, when I prayed, they were, they were healed at, right then. And I was really encouraged with that thing. Oh, good Lord, it's the Spirit, it's you. You know, that prompted me and it really encouraged me. And, and, and see, God still moves in that way. Now, I'm not saying that I have some special gift of healing, but I believe that God can use us from, from time to time in our prayers, from time to time as we lay hands and pray for people. And that's happened to me. That, and through all the years of ministry, I prayed for people. They were healed right then or, or they're he- the next day they got better or whatever that was. And that's why we have our prayer team, our email prayer chain uh, where we pray for people, some more people pray so that God can work through all that. Healing really is from God. It's not like we're some special people and you don't have to be some special, you know, person to have this gift of healing or maybe, oh, that's my gift. That's what I go around doing. And it maybe, but maybe God will gift you for a particular time to pray for someone so that they may be healed at that moment according to his sovereign will. And that's how we must look at that. The power comes from Jesus. The power comes from God. And this is, this is really what was being put forth here. I mean, think about this. Take note how the power is really from God, as, as, as I mentioned, right? The gift of healing was given, what? From God through Peter to the man. It came through Peter. So it was really God. But whose hand lifted up the man. It was Peter. And so God uses us in that way. So, you know what? Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be available to lift up others that we are led to go to. God wants to use us. But we have to be aware. I want to be a church, a body of Christians, you know, who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit in that way. Who we don't just walk by because we're caught up in our own little world or we're caught up in our own things and we just walk by a life lying there that's broken. 
that's hurting. We're caught up in our own stuff because people are hurting. People are having a hard time walking in the Lord, perhaps. They need prayer. They need healing. They need encouragement. So if anything, think about it that way. God wants to use each of us to help each other. Not in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, He may use you to to pray for someone. They get healed. But maybe it's not just that. Maybe it's just God, through the power of the Spirit, wants to use your words to encourage someone. To to give a word to someone. uh, A a word of encouragement. Maybe Maybe it's for you to just to Pray for someone because they're hurting. Maybe, maybe it's to have conversation so that they would feel accepted and loved. But it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just, we just got to be available. We got to be connected. We, we got to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And let me tell you, that's what's important as believers. That we walk in this power. That it may not be like this huge miracle that God uses us for, but it may be a, a miracle to somebody just because you went up to them and you said hello and you had a conversation of interest about them. That could change their whole life and their whole heart. That's powerful. That's a miracle. Maybe it's sharing with someone at work or just praying for someone and God opens up this opportunity for you to share Jesus and you lead them in prayer to Christ. That's a miracle. You guys, that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And if there's anything I want you to understand here tonight is the power of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit has filled us and as believers, He wants to use us powerfully you're thinking, well, I don't know, I can't say this, or I can't talk, or I'm shy. You know what? You're looking at yourself. You're looking at your own weaknesses. Maybe you're looking at your own failures, and you're thinking, ah, I, yeah, I can't do You know what? Put the failures behind us, right? Sunday's message, reach forward. Press on, you guys. Press on to become everything God wants you to be, and do everything that God wants you to do by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. That's what our life is about right now, today. Listen to what this pastor and theologian R.B. Cooper said. To strip Christianity of the supernatural is to destroy Christianity. You see, what we see in the book of Acts is lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon them and that's how they made this difference in the lives of the people around them. So you guys, don't settle into, oh, that's not me, that's for the pastors. Oh, that's not me, that's for the, the, the A Christians. I'm down here, I'm more like a C Christian here. No, it's for every one of us that Christ wants to work through us, through the Holy Spirit. So don't settle into that. Don't settle into the, 
the insecurities of your mind or the lies of the devil. Don't. Look at what's going on here with a simple fisherman named Peter and how God used him to powerfully hear, powerfully heal this man. So see that as the gift of healing was given from God through Peter to the man. So it's not about you. It's about God working through you. And when, think about this way now, when the Spirit uses you like this, you yourself can be a walking miracle. You. You can be. All right, well, we've seen the daily habit. We've seen the ask for help. The gift now of healing, both given to Peter and then to the man. And then number four now, our last heading, and last thing we see is the joyful heart. The joyful heart. And here we'll finish up, finish up our passage here, verse 8 through 10. It says, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, you can tell the man could not contain his joy, right? I mean, uh, look at that. He, he's healed. He can walk, right? From birth, he couldn't walk. And all of a sudden, he's walking. He's 40 years old. He's seeing people walk. And now he can do the same thing. What do you think he's going to do? Leaping up. Yeah, he's jumping around. He's going, yeah, can you imagine? I can jump, I can jump. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can skip, I can skip. He's walking around, leaping. It says leaping twice here, I thought. Leaping, walking, leaping, walking. Yeah. And he's just praising God, giving God glory. And everyone in the temple saw him. They recognized him. They saw him leaping up. I mean, they, they, they recognized him as this beggar guy. He's that same guy that we saw for so long, years and years and years, we we're at the steps there, right in front of the beautiful gate. And look, what? He's healed? He's walking? No way. They could not deny that a miracle has happened. And so these guys, the people all around, remember, this is evening sacrifice, three o'clock, that, that last prayer of the day. A lot of people are there. And so all these people were filled with wonder, amazement. They're like, Whoa, how did this happen? Whoa. Now, this sets us up for next week when Peter is going to stand up and he's going to share Jesus Christ. And we'll get into that next time. But this is what God did. He used this healing, not just for the man, but also he set up another opportunity for Peter to preach the gospel. But for now, it was a display of God's power is a display that you know what God is here and that Jesus is still working that he is God that he has resurrected that he is moving now through the apostles can you imagine I mean at this time remember how Jesus was saying like the, how the people were and the Pharisees, they were just into the ritual. Yeah. I mean, the apostles and the believers, they go to the temple. They're excited for God. They, they want to meet God. But, but 
for most of the people here who, who didn't believe, it's, it's just, uh, we're going to church, just doing the, the ritual, sit down, stand up, you know, kind of thing, kneel. And they're just going through this ritual, ah, oh, here's my sacrifice, you know. It, 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 was, it was a serene time. It was, it was almost dead. It was this ritualistic prayer time, evening sacrifice. But suddenly, it's like a light turned on. And suddenly, can you imagine the chicken skin they're feeling? Here's this man, and he's praising God. He's walking. The one they recognize, he's leaping all around. I think people will begin to give God glory. They've never seen anything like this. They've, maybe, maybe they have when Jesus was walking on the earth, and maybe, maybe they, they, they only heard, and now, whoa, they're seeing these miracles, these healings, like, what Jesus did, and now it's right here, right now, right in front of, 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 of me. I'm sure they were, being, they were giving God glory, and, and and I think that's that that's important too. That these healings and miracles, they are designed to give God glory. That's what it should should be. But here's a thought too. Is that I believe God is using this to say, look. We're in the messianic age now. The Messiah has come because the prophecy says in Isaiah 35, 6, then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And that's a messianic prophecy. When the Messiah comes, people will be healed. And so here's God bringing this message, setting it all up for Peter, but, but really bringing this message like, look, Jesus is still here. Jesus is working through the apostles. So the joyful heart is trying to say, hey, was really because of Jesus. It was really because of Jesus and his power. And that's what it should be. It should give Jesus glory. It should, any healing should point us to Jesus. Any healing that happens is not about the person or Peter, but it's a, and Peter's going to try and correct that. We're going to see that next time. But it's about Jesus doing the work. It's about God. I read about a journalist who went to uh, a healing meeting in Philadelphia trying to check it out. And this elderly man came up on the stage, tubes connected to this oxygen tank, and this so-called healer, uh, put on this show, made it really grand and with words and everything and prayed upon a man, then just started pulling out the oxygen tube and then he had the man run up and down the stage as if he were totally healed and the whole place went wild and it was just very emotional. After the whole event, the elderly man and wife was going to uh, their car and it was overheard in a conversation the man was telling the wife, oh, uh, I, I have to tell you something. And the wife interrupted, saying, oh, does, does the healer man want us to rent the oxygen tank for tomorrow night too? It, it was all just a scam, really. It was all just those things to bring attention to the healer guy, but not so much Jesus Christ. Some take the gifts and make it out to be some big thing for themselves. To, to fake it, to capitalize it, to make it about them. But 
understand the real stuff, it's about God. The people who are really gifted, they're not going to be trying to get fame for themselves or credit. They're going to point to Jesus. And that's what this really points to. This healing is saying, look, it's fulfillment of prophecy. The lame leap like deer. This is Jesus. This joyful heart was really because of what Jesus Christ has done. And really, this, this overlaps into the message of Peter we're going to see next time. So as we come to a close, understand that it's the humble, those who not make themselves out to be the big deal, but, it, but they keep it about Jesus. They're humble about it. It's not like them. It's, they don't, they're not special or anything. They're the real healers, so to speak. And I think that's what we have to do, is however God uses you, let's stay humble about it. I mean, it isn't me. It isn't you. It's God. Yeah, It's Jesus. It's Jesus using you to try and bring others to Jesus, closer to Jesus, to be saved in Jesus, to give Jesus glory. I like um, this kind of humble story. And I'll close with this from Pastor Chuck Smith's book called Living Water. Now, he tells of a time when God used him to heal a man in this wheelchair. So this is what he writes, and I'll read it to you. Many years ago, after a Sunday morning service, some young people wheeled their grandfather up the aisle to where I was standing. They asked me to pray for him. Since he was in a wheelchair, I assumed they wanted him healed so he could walk. So I prayed, Lord, you are a great God. You can do anything. It's nothing for you to help whether we are weak or strong. Help us, Lord. We ask now that you would touch this man and that you would heal him. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Pastor Chuck goes on to write, While I was praying, I had a very strong urge to lift the man up out of his wheelchair and to command him to walk. Now I admit that I had an argument with the Lord. I thought, Lord, is that you telling me to do this? Is it really you? And I hesitated. I was uncertain. I don't normally go around lifting people out of wheelchairs. Yet, it was such a strong impression, I finally did it. The Lord gave me the faith to ask that the man be healed and then command him to walk. When I said, Amen, Pastor Chuck says, I lifted the man to his feet and said, Now, in the name of Jesus, walk. And the man began to walk. And Pastor Chuck puts in parentheses, much to my great relief. He walked up the aisle and then trotted back. His grandkids got so excited, they were almost doing handstands. Then Pastor Chuck writes this. They exclaimed, that's the grandkids, Oh, he had a cold and we wanted you to pray that God would heal his cold. He hasn't walked in over five years. <laughs> They actually brought him up to be healed of a cold. Chuck says, I was glad they hadn't told me that before. And I thought, why weren't you more specific? <laughs> but isn't that great? 
God heals. And it's Jesus who's doing that work. And that's why I titled our message, A Walking Miracle. It's not just this, this lame man who could walk, but you and I can be filled with that power too to pass that power on and we ourselves could be a walking miracle too. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I just love this story and I'm encouraged by it, God. I'm encouraged, Lord, not that I have some special gift of healing, but I'm encouraged that you took a, a normal person like Peter, a fisherman, but this Man was filled with your spirit. And you were able to use him to do something amazing. And God, that's my desire. Not for my glory, but for your glory. Not to further anything of, of my things, but to further your kingdom. And God, I believe that's what you want us to be. You want us to be filled with your spirit. Empowered to do your work, God. To to move in your spirit to powerfully affect others. That people would look at us and say, whoa, there's something about that person. And we could say, it's Jesus. Lord, we want to be that walking miracle. Heal us, Lord, of our, our messed up legs and how we don't walk right or we don't see things right. We hinder ourselves with our own insecurities and maybe our own condemnation and unworthiness. But everything you've told us is, hey, I have you. You're mine. You're my child. Go and obey me. Go and walk and do what I want you to do in the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I know you're calling each one of us in the same way, that we would live a supernatural life empowered by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. So, God, we want to surrender to the Spirit, submit, Lord, and be able to fulfill your will in our lives, your sovereign plan, and whatever that is, God, so that others will be healed, that others would be touched, that others, God, would be able to feel your love through what we say or do or our actions. So Holy Spirit, come, fill us now. Help us tonight, God, to live as you live, Jesus, to live and walk in your spirit, to love others, Lord, as you want us to love. God, here we are. We, we are crying out to you, Lord. Forgive us for our failure, but now help us, Lord. Pick us up. Help us to carry on your work, the work for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.